Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudhaman, and I'm joined by a man who has apparently left Shanghai on a coal pack <laughs> for Singapore. Darren Burns, you had to secure your future. I did have to secure my future. So yes, thanks, uh, Arun. I've just moved from Shanghai after being there for 12 years, representing that market. But the grass is greener in Singapore at the moment, so I've just moved over to Singapore to start my Colpac deal here. So, so you, you actually have, have left Shanghai Cricket Club? But I, I actually have. Not officially. I'm still kind of, you know, a free agent. Um, I, haven't signed, <laughs> I haven't signed up for the Singapore Cricket Club yet and haven't joined a team. So I know there must be a lot of listeners in Singapore. So um, give me a shout. I will be joining the club in the next few weeks, though. I think uh, we have some connections there. So... Next time you're in Singapore, we can have a, some tea and some cucumber sandwiches uh, on the lawn at the cricket club. So Burns issues, come and get me, please, <laughs> cricket teams. How did your teammates at Shanghai Cricket Club take it? Or, or is this the first they're hearing <laughs> of your defection of course they were, to, uh, to Singapore? Of course, they're absolutely devastated. Yeah. 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 Well, it happens. I mean, you know, the, the, the market for top cricket talent, as we know, is, uh, is buoyant. Yeah. I think they're going to miss my wily off spin, my nude spin. Um, and my hard hitting in the middle orders of the T20 tournament. Yeah, indeed. I'll tell you, someone who has made a Colpac move, of course, to the kind of, I suppose, sort of widespread amazement in a way. Yeah. Duane Olivier, very promising South African fast bowler, uh, has taken 31 wickets at 17 in his last five tests. Uh, and I think you and I both talked about him on a previous podcast. He signed a three-year uh, deal at Yorkshire via the Colpac ruling, which will guarantee him, I think, £150,000 per season. So financial security won out. Obviously, for those three years, he won't, he, he won't play for South Africa. And the South African selectors have, have more or less said that he won't play for South Africa again. Um, both things he knew when he signed this deal. Big problems for South African cricket, Darren, I would suggest, if someone like Duane Olivier, who pretty much would have been um, a kind of guaranteed pick. I don't think someone who would necessarily fall victim to the transformation strategy whereby they have to play, I think, was it six or seven players who are black or of colour in the team. For someone like him to turn his back on South African cricket in favour of, of the county game in England, I mean, we can understand it in terms of financial security. Sure. But it's a, it's a big problem for South African cricket. It really is. And I mean, I think he's, he's a shoe-in now in that attack, isn't he? I mean, I've got, they've got... You know, Dale Steyn is injury-plagued, obviously. Um, Philander has been a bit up and down, too, with his injuries. But you'd think he's a long-term play with Rabada and Ngidi, right, uh, in that pace lineup. So, so very surprising. Um, but he, he joins, the, you know, quite a few players, doesn't he, moving to England and other players, places. And Mornay Morkel, I know now, has moved into the UK. There's talk now that Mornay Morkel will actually be qualified, potentially, to as a local player in the Big Bash uh, next season. Um, and so I wonder what Olivia does outside his contract, right? Um, outside the English season, does he go and play in South Africa? I mean, it, it, it's in season there in, in South Africa. I'm guessing he can play domestic cricket there or he could go and play, play his trade as a T20 bowler. Um, he could play he IPL. Skills. He could. could I, mean, I mean, he could play IPL anyway, even, even as a South African player. Um, yeah, you're right. Morning Morkel obviously does, but he, he played a lot of tests for South Africa, you know. And it, it's a real shame because that long-term... Seam attack, as you mentioned, Rabada, Ngidi, and Olivier. Yeah. Uh, is about as strong as you can get. I mean, just the disparity to win the pace amongst the big three. So if you look at, if he was in the England 
uh, Australia or Indian teams to be paying, he could be getting paid probably three, four, five times what he's being paid for South Africa. So it does shine a light on this, and it's it's, it's a kind of a problem, right? We've seen similar things in the West Indies, haven't we, and, and other pla- places as well. So it's a real concern for the game. Yeah, and I, I know we, we get into trouble whenever we criticize the big three because apparently they're above they're 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 above criticism. That's right. For some reason. But however, whatever the reasons, the financial situation the South African Cricket Board finds itself in, uh, if it can't pay its players enough, and especially its best players, and Duane Olivier is one of its best players, um, then you have to look at the overall uh, financial health of the game in South Africa. Uh, yeah. and, and we don't know why the South African Cricket Board is unable to, um, to pay Olivier more. Uh, and that would be interesting. And I haven't actually seen um, a huge amount of investigation into this. And it would be an interesting thing for the um, for maybe perhaps South African media to look into. Why is it that the you know cricket South Africa cannot play its cannot pay its players um, cannot compete with a county team in England? I mean, I know that, that you know obviously the exchange rate is an issue. It's a, it's a weak rand. But anyway, yeah, it's a shame. Uh, no, certainly, I wouldn't blame Olivier. Uh, really, because you know he has a family, he's got to secure his future. Absolutely, you don't hate the player, you hate the game. I was just going to use that quote. Isn't that isn't that an iced tea <laughs> quote? Well, Darren, I know you're a, you're like an authority on on iced tea quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was more an ice cube man myself. I think, um, right? Yeah. So, Dwayne Olivia, and I guess it, it kind of goes into you know Joffre Archer as well. If you look at that, he's moving from West Indies and. There's a lot of mail now, isn't there? A lot of talk about him playing some warm-up games or, or being in the mix for the World Cup for England, right? Yeah, I saw um, David Willey yeah. <laughs> has come out and said that, uh, sort of questioned Joffre Archer's fast-tracking into the England World Cup team, pr- presumably because it puts David Willey's place it, it under, under some threat. It, it absolutely does. And you, and you have Chris Jordan, on the other hand, saying that he wants his little brother in the team. So, um, yeah, a yeah. bit divided, well, I guess. Chris Jordan should perhaps be in the team. I mean, that's another, another question. Um, we, should, we should talk about Joffre Archer. I mean, he's a – I think you know a bit more about him than I do. I mean, I think you've seen him play a bit more. Yeah. Um, does, he, does he walk straight into this England team? Look, I thought he had a pretty disappointing big bash, to be honest. I think last year he was much better. He seemed to taper off in pace a little bit. And they always talk about him as being a bowling all-rounder, but, but I'm yet to really see – at least in the big bash, innings of any significance for him. But he's very t- talented. He's rapid bowler. Uh, he's great in the field. He obviously has a lot of potential, and he, and he can really turn a game when he when he's on on song. So he's definitely worth looking at. I, I think you, there's only the only way you know is to get him into a few international games, right? There's, that's the only way you're going to see. Uh, so so he's an exciting player for sure, no doubt about that. Yeah, it's it's been suggested that if he does, if he were to make the squad, that the, the three players at risk of losing their places are. T. Curran, who I think had a good big bash, right? Yes, very, very good. Yes, he was in the top five players, yes. David Willey, who's kind of been in and around the team for a while now. Uh, and Joe Denley, who, uh, who's, a, who's a batsman, I think. So that, it's, it's sort of a strange one. There's two, two sort of bowling all-rounders there um, and a batsman. I haven't seen his form in the one-day tournaments in the UK, for example, uh, Joffre Archer. Uh, and I guess, you know, T20 is much different from ODIs. And I think a lot of the, the team management and coaches are mixing the two together at the moment. I think, you know, see how well Glenn Maxwell does in, in T20 versus one-day cricket. I mean, it's different format. And Archer, I'm not sure if he can bowl 10 overs. Uh, maybe he can. 
Um, but that remains to be seen. It's kind of a gamble. He's, um, he, he had a very good T20 blast last summer for Sussex. But as you said, that's T20, right? So, you know, he, he, he bowled very well in, in that campaign, took Sussex to the finals. Yeah. Um, I think what you see with bowlers in T20 now, and I noticed the other day, uh, look, a couple of matches against India, of Australia, they start to work out how to play the different bowlers because I think they know they've only got four overs to play them. Where um, if you look at what Glenn Maxwell was doing to Jasper Bummer in the T20 International, um, he was taking him to all parts. So I think they do work it out kind of quickly. So when it's in a one-day uh, match, there's a bit more time to, to settle and to hone in on the batsman and bowler spell. So let's see how he does. I mean, the only time will tell. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my I suspect he will get into the squad, I think. I, I would take the risk, personally. I think that um, he's got a lot of potential. And, I mean, I know it's tough on, on those three, on, on, on one of those three. But, um, you know, England has such a strong team, they can afford to take a flyer on somebody. I totally agree. Really. And I think they've got a cover for injuries, right? So Mark Wood has been pretty injury-prone, uh, bowling very well at the moment, but you never know, right? So, yeah, he'd be in my squad for sure. So while we're talking about England, uh, their old frailties resurfaced, it seems. And I don't know how much we should read into this. I mean, a very entertaining one-day series uh, against the West Indies, which both teams were scoring runs for fun, it seemed, until the fifth and, and deciding ODI when, uh, when the West Indies just ran through England, dismissed them for 113. Oh, Shane Thomas, 5 for 21. Um, not the first time England have collapsed uh, in a kind of must-win match. And I just wonder if this augurs poorly for them with the World Cup approaching. Because this is the question mark about England. They've got all the talent. You know, they've probably got the best team on paper. The question mark is whether they can deliver when the pressure is on. Yeah. I think, you know, Bayless always talks about this kind of brave, you know, uh, playing your shots in all conditions, right, no matter what. I think you see some of the scores during the series. You know, 418 they scored. Uh, in the fourth ODI, you know, they, they scored 364 uh, for four. And then every night again, they have this absolute doozy where they just go for it and they get bowled out for 120 or 80 runs. They seem to accept that, that they've got this style of play. They're going to go go hard no matter what. And that's going to happen every now and again. And if you're an England fan, you just hope it doesn't happen in a semi-final or a final, right? Yeah, that's the thing, right? I mean, it's fine if it happens in a, in a sort of a, a match that they can afford to, to lose. It, you're right. It is the risk. Um, it's a problem if it happens more often for them, if they collapse more often yeah. in, a, in, a, in a more pressured game, really. I mean, they, they, they've, they've rebounded, they've won the first T20. Yeah, comfortably. Uh, but, you know, I'd also say the West Indies are looking pretty good for the World Cup. The universe boss, Darren. The universe um, boss, he's back. Everyone's uh, favourite cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's looking in, in, in fine form, Chris Gale. And, and I'm not just talking about uh, his comments, I mean, with the bat. Yeah. He's actually, look at his actions, I think, here, right? Versus what he actually talks about. You know, his comments about the the 100 were, were pretty amazing. Did we talk about that last uh, week? We did not. No, what did he say? He said something like, if if the universe boss doesn't play in the 100, it'll be an absolute failure. Um, that he can make the 100 like he made the IPL. Okay. So maybe without him, the, the 100 becomes the, the 75 or something. Yeah, the 60. Um yeah, I mean, one of those games, didn't he? What was that? He scored 160 off 97 balls. He, just absolutely crazy. He's standing very still at the crease, not running much. <laughs> I, I think his partners get quite frustrated that he sort of just taps the ball to, to the field and doesn't run, but clears the boundary with abandon. So 
He's still got it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know he's not... He's not everyone's favorite player for, for good reason, but you have to say he has redefined batting in limited overs cricket more than once, I think, because I feel like the way he's batting now is you're going to start to see other players maybe as they get a bit older start to mimic it. Really, you know, I think it looks like he's done. He's doing, you know. I mean, I don't know how hard Chris Gale works. I'm always really, you kind of he kind of gives off this impression that he just turns up and just biffs the ball, but I suspect he works pretty hard. On, on his upper body strength as well, in particular, because it, it really does look like he's able to hit the ball a long way without, um, yeah, you know, without necessarily having to, you know, having to worry about running singles and twos and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he's a massive unit, right? He's a, he's a huge man, uh, very strong. He is, but he's in shape. He's in, he's yeah, in he's great totally shape, in shape, right? So that's exciting for the World Cup. Uh, Joss Butler too is looking pretty good. He's back into his one-day form, isn't he? He scored 150, and you know, one, of, one of my favourite one, you know, white ball players. Oh, me too. He, he's such a great guy as well, John. Yeah, he's such a nice, humble guy. Yeah, lovely guy. I wonder whether complete opposite of Chris Gale. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's like the bizarro Chris Gale. He's uh, he's he is totally opposite. Okay, so and with the World Cup fast approaching, Darren, events in India. Yes. Uh, are attracting our attention, in particular, well, only really the uh, the India-Australia series, yet another series between these teams. But pretty interesting because of the World Cup selection issues. Uh, I thought Australia did, has done has done okay in the one days, but they just seem unable to um, to get the runs off the spin bowlers. It's kind of been choking them. You know, I've been quite impressed. I think the two T20s, they won those quite comfortably. They did, and Glenn Maxwell played really well. Really well. He was a difference engine, wasn't he, between the two teams. But, um, you know, I, I thought the um, in both the ODIs, Australia had their chances. You know, they won by four, uh, four wickets, six wickets, I think, in the first one, India. But that was no, by no means a canter. I think they had them in a lot of strife at one stage. And then your favourite, favourite man, Donny, steered them through to the end. And they had to work really hard. They had to work really hard for those runs. And I, I must say some low and turning wickets, um, not, not, as, not as easy batting on some of these wickets as we'd normally see in OD, ODIs. So tested both teams. Yeah, and the, and the last, the second ODI, I thought, you know, Australia had to score 30 off 30 balls with five down. And it looked like they were going to get there. But um, Jasper Bumrah, again, he's just a sensational bowler. I think he picked up two wickets uh, for two runs in the 47th over and just basically put Australia on the back foot and they couldn't get over the line. Boomer had other ideas, and I'll tell you who else has really come to the fore from Madras, Vijay Shankar. I must, I've got to say, when I first saw him bowl, I thought, what a pedestrian. He, he was bowling at 125s, wasn't doing anything with the ball, but he, he, he hit that last over, didn't he? They had to score 10 runs off the over, and he, uh, he got Stoinis out LBW, I think, first ball, uh, and then bowled Zampa to seal up the game, which was a lot of pressure. I, I would have you know, backed probably uh, Marcus Stoinis to get 10 off that last over. Um, but he stood up to the game. So again, he's, he's risen, his stock has risen for sure, hasn't it? It's really risen. It's, it's really interesting, the sort of career he's had. Vijay Shankar was considered the pick of India's next generation of all-rounders. He got an injury, uh, which ruled him out of an India A tour. And who emerged from that tour? Hardik Pandya, who of course is now India's kind of number one choice as an all-rounder. Now Hardik Pandya is injured. Vijay Shankar played, um, I think it was a one-dayer last year. It was against, I think it was against Bangladesh or Sri Lanka. I can't remember the team. Um, India needed, um, it was kind of getting to the death. He, was, he came in 
India needed a certain number of run, runs. He played out something like 12 dot balls. It was excruciating. Dinesh Karthik, I think, rescued India with the last ball six to win the match. Ah, uh, yes, remember that. Do you remember that, right? Yes. Vijay Shankar then had to put up with a huge amount of social media trolling. He had to quit Twitter. And many people thought, okay, well, that's it for him. But he, he, he's, he's a very talented player. He's done very well on the domestic circuit. He got another chance on the New Zealand tour, I think, just recently. Uh, I don't know if he played in the Australia one day, as he may have done. Um, he, he batted very well in New Zealand on some very difficult pitches. Really looked um, quite classy, in fact, his batting. His bowling, as you said, is, is pedestrian. Um, but it's, it seems to have improved. And he's, a, he's able to get the ball to move. He seems to have a good head under pressure, and he's an excellent fielder as well. Yeah. Uh, and he's carried that form into these matches where he's really, you know, I, I will say I'm surprised at how, how good he's looked. And uh, our friend Harbhajan Singh has said on Twitter that Vijay Shankar has booked his ticket to the World Cup. Well, I think that the other night was probably a match-winning performance. I mean, he's 40-odd with the bat, I think, was probably pivotal, wasn't it? So um, over a ball with Coley there for a while. So I think, yeah, he, he was basically met of the match. Yeah, he's, he, he just looks good under pressure. He looks like a player you can trust. And, you know, Coley and Dhoni, they love those players. Who doesn't? Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah exactly. Just, quiet, just quietly. Well, I don't know. Glenn Maxwell seems to, <laughs> seems to get... I was, after Glenn Maxwell got those scores in the uh, 220s, I saw one wag said he'll probably get demoted to number eight now in the one-day team. Yeah, I mean, his heave across the line the other night against Kuldeep Yadav was, you know, very disappointing. I mean, bowled, bowled out for just a couple, I think he scored. Um, going for a big heave and the ball skidded on, I think was disappointing, right? He just looks so great sometimes. And other times you just think, what are you doing, man? <laughs> but that's Glenn Maxwell. Yeah, he seems to reserve his best form for the T20s, for sure. The big show. So I think good signs for India. I mean, Yadav looked very good too with the bat, batting with Donny the other night. I mean, that was a very uh, mature innings. He scored 80-odd. Hamid Shami keeps, you know, he keeps impressing all the time. I think he's got a he seemed to be moving the ball off the seam, good slower balls, mixing up his angles. So he's looking very good as well. And for Australia, I think, you know, there were a couple of good signs, which which was I saw. You know, Kawadra is batting a bit better than he was. I mean, yeah, Stoinis Finch is kind of get, getting getting back into it. Uh, and Pat Cummings. I think Pat Cummings is uh, such a champion player. Picked up four wickets the other night, didn't he? So there's some good signs for Australia. I think that they're closer to the game than they were, you know, you know sort of six months ago. But they seem to struggle on how to win a match. You know, when it comes down to it, it's like you know, thirty off thirty balls. You think you know that they should be able to cruise, but they just found a way to mess it up. And there was good bowling too from India. There's, there's no doubt about that. But just they don't know how to win at the moment in one ODIs. I mean, it's difficult in these conditions, especially Kuldeep Yadav is is bowling really well at the moment, and then you've got Jadeja, you know, firing it in. What I loved about yeah, um, Kuldeep Yadav was his bravery. I mean, I think he came on to bowl you know, the third last over or the fourth last over in the last ODI. And he um, he was belted the over before for about 14 or 16, I think. And then he continued to attack and throw the ball up and he, and he got out um, uh, the Australian keeper um, playing on. So he, he's brave, um, great bowler. Uh, yes, Alex Carey, you're right. Yeah. So um, good signs for India. Yeah, I mean, I think so. It's interesting because India's team is, is, is almost there, I'd suggest. The question marks are Shikhar Dhawan, his form is poor. I don't think he's, you know, his stats are looking really quite ropey at the moment. And there are now question marks over whether he'll make the flight. Uh, KL Rahul batted very well in the T20s. He hasn't, I don't think he's played in the one day so far. Maybe he'll get a game today. They're playing in Ranchi today. Uh, because, you know, 
if he's in form, he's a batsman who can bat, who can open, who can bat in the middle order. Uh, we know he's got all the shots. Looks like Vijay Shankar is going to make the flight. So then I guess the question mark is who's going to miss out? Uh, is it going to be Krunal Pandya, the lesser Pandya? Yeah, look, it's a, it's an it's an abundance of riches, isn't it? it? It really is. I mean, I think it's a good problem to have. Yeah, or is it going to be one of the more conventional bowlers? I mean, Mohammad Shami's bowling well. What does that mean for for Bhuvneshwar Kumar? I think he's playing today. He's going to play today. I think we can. I think we can write Mamesh Yadav off. I don't think he's going to make the flight. Yeah, I don't think so. So yeah, I mean these these are probably um, good questions for India to have. Uh, I guess the only real worry is about Shikhar Dhawan. Maybe a little worry about Ambiti Rayadu, who I've never been completely convinced by, and I'm not I'm not sure about his ability on English wickets. But you know, I think if they pick KL Rahul, he's got what it takes uh, as long as he's in form. So yeah, India looking pretty solid. Going to play in Ranchi today. The MS Dhoni stand has been unveiled. Oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah, so there'll be, I suppose, felicitations and speeches and dignitaries <laughs> and, and, and various VIPs and VVIPs. And on that note, Darren, we should probably talk about the entertainment highlight of certainly this year and possibly the decade. Yes. The new Netflix series, Cricket Fever. I think it's right up there with Bodyline and Fire in, <laughs> and Fire in Babylon. This has, this has become the, the top three cricket. Yeah. I mean, concept. well, I'd say it's up there with like Chariots of Fire. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is art. Or Rocky. This is art, Darren. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Rocky. I mean, or, you know, this is, I mean, this is the first fly on the wall doc about a cricket team, I think. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I can't remember any others unless you know of any. Yeah, I, I, I don't know either. Um, Nothing it, from Australia. But it sounds on, like uh, a great idea. Yeah, and it's in the vein. It's been a few, a few documentaries done about football teams, hasn't there? And this, this is the first one about, it's kind of a reality show, documentary, behind the scenes kind of, kind of, kind of show. Cricket Fever, it's called on Netflix. It was launched, I think, last week. And Arun, Arun sent me a little note saying, check out Cricket Fever. And I've watched two episodes already. And I can tell you it's compelling viewing. It's, it's brilliant. I mean, it's, there's so many of these sporting documentaries now on, on Netflix and, and elsewhere. You know, we've, I, I was watching, especially from football, as you'd expect. So I've, I've been watching documentaries on this, all these fly on the walls about, I think there's one on Sunderland, Manchester City. I think Juventus had one. Boca Juniors from Argentina. So it kind of follows that template and mold. Where I think it's really interesting is... It's it's a kind of a first because you haven't seen cricketers this close, and I think especially Indian cricketers who are so cocooned. It's actually really interesting to see what they're like, and for some of them, they're re- really humble origins. I mean, some of the stories, some of these origin stories on, you know, Jasper Bumrah, you know, just kind of how poor he was. Even the Pandya brothers, when they go back to the room they shared, you know, it's it's eye opening. Yeah, I mean, I, I just my favorite player profile was Jasper Bumrah. I think. You know, I like him. If you've seen him in press conferences, he's a very humble. He thinks a lot about the game. He's a good thinker of the game, and he just—he's just a great. He seems like a great human being. Uh, the way he interacts with his mum and talks about his beginnings and stuff like that—it's—it's—it's it's, it's really heart wrenching. Watching you know the parents talk to the kids and stuff. So I, I'd highly recommend it. It's—it's it's kind of a microcosm on India and what these guys go through to get to the national team. It's really a difficult pathway. Yeah, it's, that's a really good point. It really is, and I think it humanizes the players, and it kind of puts these, you know, pampered millionaires, I suppose, in, into context. 
they've they've worked bloody hard to get there. It, it's also interesting because you know you have a lot of big name players. I mean, Mumbai Indians, it's got kind of an embarrassment of riches, right? They they've sure got do. Bumra, Rohit Sharma, the Pandya brothers, Ishan Kishan. Um, Ishan, oh, Ishan Kishan, what an idiot. Yeah, he's a bit of a brat. I mean, honestly, that's my favourite bit. Where he calls is, him a dickhead. Where yeah, the, the Australian yeah. trainer, what's his name? The Punisher. Yeah, the Punisher goes, you're being a dickhead, go over there and get yourself together. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that's something an Indian trainer w- would have said to, to Ishan Kishan. But uh, yeah, well, he was being a dickhead, so fair enough. I think there's, uh, there's a couple of West Indians in that team. There's Evan Lewis. Um, Karen Pollard. Karen Pollard will, will pitch up at some point if he's not there already. Ben Cutting. Ben Cutting. Cuts. Cuts. Yeah, Cuts just seems to, to show up just to get hit. Yeah, I, I think they seem to blame Cuts on that second loss. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, got to blame someone. But also they, they do so badly. That's the other great thing. I think, I honestly think for a good sporting doc, if you're just winning, it's really boring. Manchester City documentary, they try to inject some drama into it, but... It's a team that's bought the best players in the world. It's really dull. But in this time, what is it? Mumbai Indians loses five of their first six matches. And let's not forget, they're owned by, as this series makes painfully clear, they're owned by the richest man in India, right? Mukesh Ambani and his son, who, is, who I would suggest is one of the finest minds <laughs> in the country. I, I'll do all the talking here, Darren, because I don't want to... Uh, I really don't want to compromise any existing or future dealings you might have with the Reliance <laughs> business conglomerate in India. <laughs> uh, but let me just say that when Akash Ambani addresses the Mumbai Indians team, I, I don't know, I think Shakespeare would probably weep. It's just, it's poetry. It's really... Let's not be a spoiler. Maybe the, maybe the listeners should, uh, should go and listen for themselves. Um, one of the highlights for me was the um, treasure hunt at their residence in Mumbai. And, and so if anybody, has anybody haven't been to Mumbai, um, the Ambani residence towers over uh, Mumbai. It's just this massive futuristic. It's a monstrosity, Darren. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> it reminds me of something out of the superheroes in Marvel, you know, the sort of base that they would come from. I think it's great. And they have a treasure hunt there and all the players are running around the house finding treasure. I don't really know what was in the treasure. What were the gifts? Were they watches or Phones, I'm not sure. Yeah, mobile phones. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the Ambani, the Reliance conglomerate owns tons of stuff. I, I, I saw they had one of those, was it one of those 4G uh, anti-gravity things set up in the in, in one of That's the rooms? That's right, amazing. The players were sitting on that. I mean, it's like a, a, a an evil villain's lair, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I would say it's, um, you're harsh. I mean, some of the, you know, you don't actually get a look inside this building very often and it's been very controversial, uh, yes. this, this, this building in India, because I think it, it, I don't know, had a somewhat lax relationship with building regulations, perhaps but some of the, some of the furniture, the, the fittings. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty revealing insight into India's richest family. Um, lovely for the Mumbai Indians players, I would suggest. But you, you also get a really good insight into how these owners handle the teams. I, you know, I was totally unaware, for example, that the owners address the team before a match and after a match. I mean, would that happen in Australia? That's a good question. I don't even know who owned the franchises in, in the BBL. I think they're owned by the state association. I, think, I don't think they're independently owned. But what happens in football? Do the owners ever come to the dressing room and say, 
Anything before matches? I think it would be. I think it's 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 considered uncommon for an owner, unless it's a, unless it's extraordinary circumstances. You know, a huge win. Ordinarily, though, I think the dressing room is sort of a sanctum for the for the coach and the players, right? That's right. I mean, you, you think the coach would be using the final, saying the final words, or the captain, um, not the owner. I, I don't know, but um, or maybe that's just for dr- dramatic effect in the, in the TV maybe, show. Maybe, but you know, it it did it did kind of jump out at me. You know, you have a legend. Mumbai Indians coach Mahela Jayarwadene, who comes across really well in this, I should say. By the way, you know, and there's there's after after a loss, Mahela provides some I thought really good insight into why they lost. Yeah, <laughs> and then he's he's followed by uh, Mrs. Ambani saying saying you have to be warriors, which uh, which you know really helpful. I thought under under the circumstances, I just wonder what goes through their minds as professional cricketers at that point. You know, you cannot bite the hand that feeds you. But yeah, so Cricket Fever, check it out. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it kind of picks up over the season. I mean, it's all there. I think it's, it's, you can binge the whole thing. Um, I don't know if it's been renewed, uh, but I would suspect it's going to get pretty good ratings, at least in India. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think any fan of cricket would enjoy this. You know, it's funny because um, it's only been up a week, but I've already had like three messages from people saying... Are you going to discuss Cricket Fever on the podcast? And we've only watched two episodes each, I believe. And obviously, Mumbai Indians don't win the um, season. So, spoiler alert. But that's, and that's why it's good, as you mentioned. Were they your pick for the IPL last year? I can't remember. Oh, no, dude. No. I think I, Delhi Daredevils. <laughs> I think Delhi Daredevils <laughs> and maybe Mumbai Indians were my second pick. But um, yeah, that, that was. Uh, we'll get to that in another episode, maybe next week or the week after. We'll do a bit of a preview of the IPL. I've actually really come to hate the Mumbai Indians because of cricket fever. I don't know if that's fair. Did you decide that just right now? In the last No, second? I decided it when I was watching and I was seeing like how much kind of just how much money they have around this team. You know, I'd like to think Chennai Super Kings is a more modest affair. <laughs> You'd like, like to think that. <laughs> someone carries Dhoni's phone on a silver platter. Um, and we haven't talked about the most important insight from cricket fever which is that Hardik Pandya doesn't allow tap water near his face. Apparently. And his hair, apparently, right? And his hair. And yes, I think that's pretty good advice. I might start following that, that beauty regimen. I, mean, I, I, I imagine a lot of Indians have already, have already stopped using tap water just because of that. Yeah, it's a bit late for me. Um, but for you, you still have hair there. You can, you can, you know, can save that. Yeah, I don't think I'm getting a, a Hardik Pandya style haircut anytime soon all right so cricket fever any other business darren i think there's still um i mean there's still a couple of series we haven't discussed is the bangladesh in new zealand what is it afghanistan ireland afghanistan Ireland are playing yes correct you know i I think bangladesh new zealand it's been a bit of a hiding for the bangladeshis going over new zealand also getting quite cold this time of the year in new zealand but the i guess the, the main story out of there really is about kane williamson isn't it yeah, he's so New Zealand ran up seven hundred and fifteen for six in the first test. I, I always love a scorecard like that because you kind of just—it's just—I mean, untold riches for the batting team. I think what was it three centuries? Uh, so Jeet, Ravel, Tom Latham, Tom Latham both got centuries, and Kane Williamson scores two hundred not out. Yeah. Um, Batted really well. Yeah, it's pretty demoralizing if you're the bowling team and you look up on the scoreboard and there's 700 runs up there. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Not something that's ever happened to you, I'm sure. Uh, never. And, and Tom Latham, I mean, what a quiet achiever he is. Whenever you look at a scoreboard, he seems to be 50 or 100. So um, he, he must be in the top 10 now, is he? He must be. I don't know, but I'll tell you who's going to be number one soon. He's going to overtake Virat Kohli. That was my segue. Kane Williamson. <laughs> I know. He, he, he doesn't need many runs, I don't think. And he's got, uh, he's got two tests against Bangladesh to make like 30 or 40 runs. So Steve Smith has finally fallen off the top, has he? Just, you know, after, even though he hasn't played for a year. So he can, he can come back pretty fast, I imagine. So Steve Smith's press conference was not recognized at the Oscars. Yeah. Disappointing. It could have been. Best performance in a drama. Oh, look, mate. <laughs> mate. Um, terrible. Look, mate. Yeah. So anyway, well done to Kane Williamson. I think New Zealand, um, I, I wouldn't write Bangladesh off totally, but, you know, it's difficult in these conditions. Difficult. Yeah, I think, I think they're basically done in that series. Yeah. Okay, so do we have anything for uh, Muppet of the Week or Quote of the Week? I don't know if it's Muppet of the Week, but I, but I, did find, I do find it quite amusing. There's a West Indian bowler called uh, Cottrell, uh, and when he takes a wicket, he does this march down the wicket, a pirouette and a salute. Have you seen this? It's the most ridiculous celebration I've oh, seen yes. in my life. No, I've seen the salute. Yeah, I, yeah, think he, I think he just bowls to do it. Like he, I think everything is about bowling and getting a wicket so he can do his salute. Uh, it's a very strange celebration um, indeed. We've already talked about some quotes from the universe, boss, haven't we? About how you know he'll make the hundred. If he's not there, then the hundred won't work. I don't think we have any good. I've got a couple Shastri. of decent ones. Do you? Actually, there is a good one. It's, it's, I think we missed this. It actually was early in February, but he said, um, no one smells the leather in defense better than Pujada. You can ask him. You can ask him if it is Christian Dior or Armani. <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, what the fuck? Seriously, <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't even know what that means. He's talking about leather, and I mean, you can't even you can't even pass these comments anymore. No, you can't. Um, there's got to be. I think a good idea for a website would be a Ravi Shastri, you know, a quote generator. There, there probably is one. If that doesn't already exist, yeah, there probably is one somewhere. We just got to yeah. find it. We we do, yeah. Although this might get us into more more trouble. Uh, yes, it might. With our with our listeners, but yeah, that was a good one. Another another decent one from Mark Butcher uh, talking about Chris Gale. I think one six went one hundred and twenty two meters. You don't go that far on your holidays. <laughs> um, and finally, a great one. There's al- there's always something really nice when New Zealanders are criticizing each other. Uh, commentator Ian Smith talking about the Hamilton Honors Board. He said, it can't really be an honours board if you've got Styrus's name on it. (laughs) I love that one. Scotty Styrus. Poor old Styrus. That's very... (laughs) Pretty harsh. Especially from Ian Smith. It's a good sledge though, isn't it? It's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. So I think that brings us to an end of uh, this podcast. It's been a while since the last one. So um, we we do apologise for the gap. But but as you are all aware, Darren has been involved in in fevered behind-the-scenes negotiations to... um, to secure his future at a new and more promising cricket franchise, one that, that you know, respects his talents. <laughs> yes. You should. Thank you all for listening. Um, we will be back more quickly, I guess, with the next one because we're going to do a preview of the IPL, which is coming up soon. It is. All right. Thank you all for listening.